0: Welcome to Podcasting Stories, insights and interviews from people just like you, using podcasts to grow their business and share their message. Podcasting Stories is brought to you by Your Podcast Team, where having your own podcast is as easy as being a guest on ours. Find out more at YourPodcast.team. Now, here's your host, Dave Spray. Welcome to the Podcasting Stories Podcast. My name is David Spray, and today we're talking with Rob Ristagno, the founder and CEO of Sterling Woods. Rob founded Sterling Woods more than six years ago, and the company seems like a consulting firm, but interestingly enough, they don't call themselves a consulting firm. Instead, they are a data-enabled strategic partner whose clients often enjoy double or even triple-digit percentage growth rates. Rob shared a couple of client success stories that were really fascinating about how strategic client segmentation can result in significant revenue growth. Rob started a podcast in 2020 called CEO Campfire Chat as an outgrowth of roundtable Zoom calls that he had with his clients. What is unique about the podcast is that he interviews a CEO guest, but with a virtual studio audience of other CEOs. The studio audience is able to make comments or ask questions, and it creates a fascinating dynamic. I like the idea so much, I might experiment with it on one of my future podcast episodes. Rob is an impressive business professional with an impressive resume, including an MBA from Harvard and a two-year stint with McKinsey & Company. If you've ever considered having your own podcast or are looking for ways to improve your current podcast, this episode has a lot of great ideas on ways to improve your podcast or how starting a podcast can be beneficial. Let's get to the show. Rob, welcome to the podcast.
1: Thanks David, great to be here.
0: Yeah, the pleasure is mine. Well, let's get let's get started. So, I really love your 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 business. So Sterling Woods, talk to us about that. What prompted you? I believe you're the founder, is that correct? That's right. Founder and CEO slash president. And so what prompted you to start the business and uh, how do you describe your elevator statement?
1: Great. So I'll, I'll start with the elevator statement. We're, we're in the business of giving business executives the answers to the test in advance, in in an ethical way, of course. Okay. (laughs) I mean, what do I mean by that? We found that most companies are wasting way too much time and money going after the wrong customers. Okay. So we've developed a process to go out and figure out who are your absolute best customers and exactly what do they want from you and what is it going to take to motivate them to buy? So that's why I say we're giving you the answers to the test in advance, that Mm -hmm. it's as simple as listening to your customers. And it sounds like an overly used cliche. You have to listen to your customers. But unfortunately, we've learned that 98% of companies don't actually do it. At least they don't do it in in a way that's directly tied to the actions they take that are directly tied to the results.
0: Yeah. And I believe that one of your underlying principles is uh, that you utilize the Pareto principle. Is
1: that right? That's right. Exactly right. Yeah. We find that focusing on just your top 20% of customers will give you 80% of the results. So why not just double down there?
0: Sure. Yep. That makes sense. So, and then you were going to then touch on the history of the company. What prompted you to start it? Sure. It's a it's a bit
1: of a long journey. <laughs> the, sure. Well, we
0: have, we have plenty of time. Go
1: for great. it. Great. All right. My dream has always been to start my own business. The the advice I got was go into an industry you love and find a problem to solve. Yeah. I've always been interested in media. I worked in a couple of different private equity owned media businesses. The problem I found there was that media companies needed to diversify their revenue streams, meaning not just be so dependent on ad revenue. That was the original genesis of Sterling Woods was, all right, I'm going to help media companies figure out how to diversify away from ad revenue and find other ways to sell their IP. And what I found, and most people would agree with this, is that let's just take a a traditional publishing company as an example. If you look at their audience, they have millions of people uh, in their database coming to their website. And we found time and time again that 40% no matter what you offer them, so if you offer them a membership or an e commerce offering or a paywall or something like that, no matter what you were offering them, 40% of people had no interest whatsoever in buying your product. 20% were dying to buy whatever the heck you put in front of them. And then the other 40% were somewhere in the middle. And we also found that one size doesn't fit all. So you had to do slightly different things for that that group of of people in the middle. We actually call the bottom people the barnacles, (laughs) the people that would never buy. The whales right. are the people that will buy whatever you put out there. So I guess to stick with our aquatic analogy, the, the fish are, are people that you have to, to segment and think about how you can get them to become whales. Okay. So then we realized that this was not a problem that only existed in the media space. In fact, I published a book called A Member is Worth a Thousand Visitors that talked about these principles. And it was, it was written just as a thought leadership piece it's supposed to be. Targeted at the media space. But we actually, the interesting thing was most of the inbound inquiries we got from people who read the book were not media companies. They were not publishers. There were people in software, professional services, consumer goods, consumer internet, lots of different verticals. And we said, you know what, this problem is not isolated to, to the media world, but it's something that faces just about any any company. So we broadened mm-hmm. our scope and, and started focusing across industries.
0: That's really interesting. I love the the title of the I mean, I love the play on the famous picture's worth a thousand words, but it's also so true and has such great insight, right? Because a a paying member really is worth more than a thousand visitors that fall into that 40% category, aren't they?
1: That's right. That's right. So,
0: well, thank you for that background. Could you... To help me and the listeners kind of better understand like exactly what you do, could you give us a, a client success story or two? And if you can share the client name, that's great. And if you're not able to, we understand.
1: Yeah. I, I you know We work with brand name clients like Smithsonian, New York Times, Vistage. I, I probably won't name the name of this particular client just so I can get into more details. Sure. Um, I just wanted to give a flavor of some of it. We work with companies big and small, so not just the big players, but... The, the, the project that comes to mind was a professional services firm that was really struggling with their, their marketing department was really struggling with finding qualified leads for their sales team to close. And they had one situation, in fact, where they spent $600,000 on LinkedIn and got zero customers out of it. So not a very strong return on investment. So the CEO recognized he needed to grow his top line. He's a great, fantastic CEO and and did a great job managing profits, does a great job managing profits and building a great brand and a great culture, but he just realized I need to I need to get that revenue number up to hit my aspirations mm-hmm. and to 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 fuel the engine. There's only you know you need to have a great sales department which he has, and you also need a great marketing function. So he decided he had to up, up up upgrade what was going on with marketing. And what the research found was that this particular organization was targeting CEOs of companies in distress so that they were going after CEOs that were having cash flow issues or not meeting their numbers or, you know, on the brink of bankruptcy. And what the research showed is actually their, their best customers Fit into four different types of personas, none of which were people in crisis. They were things like okay. the peak performer, so people who wanted this this particular service to stay ahead of the curve and to be sharper than their competition. And mm. also another one we found was the uh, we call the the silent struggler, kind of the 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 insecure overachiever, the person who became a CEO because they worked really hard their whole life, then they got into the CEO chair and realized, oh wow, I don't, you know really know what I'm doing, I kind of have to play a CEO on TV, fake it till I make right. it. So this particular consulting service really helped them you know, get comfortable in their own skin. So you can re- realize that these two, how you would market and sell to a peak performer or an insecure overachiever is totally different than how you'd market to someone and sell to someone who's long story short, the, the company was able to reduce their customer acquisition costs by 78%, Wow, meaning they could drop a lot of money to the bottom line have no more of those failed $600,000 experiments on LinkedIn and reinvest some of the savings to actually grow the top line quite significantly. So it just wow, goes to show great. that, yeah, list, yeah, forever you might think, you know who your best customers are. You might think, oh, we, we're we consulting, we need to help people in crisis. But when you actually go out and listen to the marketplace, you might find things that are quite surprising.
0: You know, the, the guy that wrote the book, 80-20 Principle, do you recall his name? Mm-hmm. You know, the book I'm talking about?
1: No, I'm not sure. I, there's a couple of things out there, I guess. I'm yeah, not it's sure a
0: know. blue, it's a kind of a blue cover. Richard, I can't think <laughs> of his name, but he had, uh, the most interesting, simple exercise that was like transformative in one of my businesses that like had a similar insight. He, his exercise was, was rank your clients in descending order by revenue or profitability and then have a, a column next to that with a cumulative percentage of your total revenue. Mm. Can you follow that or can yep. you envision what I'm saying? Makes sense. And then you basically would you you could, you know, kind of see these breakpoints and so and then you could also do it for like centers of influence. And the centers of influence was really interesting for me because I had like, you know, hundreds of centers of influence. The Mm. five of them accounted for like 80% of my referrals. Wow. And so my immediate takeaway was I stopped going to all networking events. I stopped like practically everything. And I just, those top five centers of influence, I started taking them to lunch every month. There you go. Yeah. And, and that was like, and then on the client side, it was kind of a similar thing that we had a, uh, and the other thing he taught in the book is that the you know, 80, 20 can be a different proportion, but it's just where the natural breakpoints happen. Okay. And the other thing he pointed out there that was, that was also new to me was it can be an 80, 10 or an 85 or an 80 40. The hmm. numbers don't have to add up to 100. It's just where right. you have these disproportionate breakpoints. Like it was it. kind of a similar thing that I noticed that you know a handful of clients made up you know, half our revenue. And that I'd probably be better off spending more time with those uh, clients. So uh, I can appreciate uh, what you're saying as far as the Pareto principle uh, really uh,
1: resonating in your model. Yeah, it make, makes a lot of sense. And the math, math math is there to prove it.
0: Yeah, it sure is. So do you have another uh, client success story you could share with us?
1: Sure. There's another client in the media space that launched a membership program, a subscription program to their audience, which is great because they were were trying to diversify their revenues. However, they didn't do very much customer research before they launched. They kind of said, hey, let's take everything we have, but the kitchen sink, bundle it together and sell it and just put right. it on our website and see what happens. So how'd they that were just how'd that, work out, work, how'd
0: that work out for them?
1: <laughs> not, not too well, <laughs> unfortunately for them. So they said, you know, let's take a step back and, and look at the data and talk to our customers. And they found that they had different segments in their, in their audience with different willingness to pay for different products. So they've just to simplify it a bit, they basically had beginners, intermediate and advanced people in their audience. Uh, And they found that the beginners were never going to pay them for anything. They they were more the barnacles, but so they could continue to sell ads to those people, but don't try to sell them any products because they just weren't more interested but then for the intermediate and the advanced, there were actually a couple of different products they could launch and a slightly different product for the advanced enthusiasts in this audience versus the intermediate enthusiasts. And as a result, they were able to relaunch their membership program with three different tiers, depending on what you were looking for. Each tier targeted at a different segment in the audience that 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 we discovered in the data. And they were able to actually get a 10 times increase in revenues in their first year after we re- wow. By, again, get, figuring out who their best customers are, figuring out what they wanted, going out and just giving it to them. And, and it, it just seems so, so simple in, in retrospect.
0: That is, that is great. What, um, what would you say the characteristics are of your ideal client? You can speak either in terms of the persona of the CEO or more broadly about the company. I mean, yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. We, we yeah we we have to practice what we preach, right, David? We have to, sure. have to answer this question. So we actually think in terms of three use cases or, or three problems that we solve. What one is we call new beginnings. So these are. C level people who just got hired, so they're new and they need to get some track record, or maybe they were just acquired, uh, so they have a new owner, uh, so they're not new to the company, but they've just been merged or acquired by a private equity firm or strategic investor, strategic company. And so that's one. The second one we call is hitting a ceiling. So a lot of companies out there, we hear this all the time Hey, I can get to 10 million, but I don't know how to get to 100 million, or Hey, I got us to 100 million, but I, I need to think about how we're going to become a, a $200 million company. And okay. the, this is another book for you. What, what got you here won't get you there. So I think it's recognizing that right. hey, what got us to 50 million won't get us to a hundred million. And so in those cases, we're probably looking to launch new products or enter new markets or, or change our business model to be able to get to that higher, higher plateau level. Um, and then the, uh, the third thing is, is, Hit, hit the skids, so had just a little bit of a bump, maybe had a bad quarter of two or two, not in turnaround mode. but hey, i'm I'm the CEO or I'm the chief marketing officer or I'm the head of sales, and i I just missed my numbers for one or two quarters in a row. And I want to get ahead of the curve because I know my job's going to be at stake if if this continues again for for another quarter. So we can help course correct in those situations.
0: That's, uh, That's really helpful. Now, so I, of course, am going to give you some of your own medicine here, if you don't mind. So are the revenues from those three types of personas split perfectly, a third, a third, a third, or does one of them provide greater revenue is a percentage of your revenue than the others.
1: It's, it's roughly a third, a third, a third. Okay. I mean, it took us a while to get there. And sometimes we actually see some overlapping between those three segments. So someone could be oh, new sure. and the company could have just hit the skids or they could be new and they were hired to break through the $100 million mark or whatever. So I think those are sort of in aggregate, those three probably make up 80% of our sales overall. But then within those three, probably roughly even even split.
0: Okay. Well shoot, I'm disappointed. <clears throat> I was hoping that you would say something like, "Oh yeah, the hitting the ceiling accounts for 80% of revenue." <laughs> but
1: uh <coughs> well, I think it's a good point, but actually I'm glad you brought that up because I th- I think that we we think the 80-20 rule applies at a macro level, but then within that 20% you probably have 3 to 5 different flavors of whales. So I used mm-hmm. that whale, the term whales before. Those are your top 25%. So step one is is divide the world into your 80-20 and then go deep on the, your, your top 20 and figure out what three to five flavors exist. And that will help you better target even within an already refined a slice of the market.
0: Yeah. And one of the other interesting insights, I'm almost sure his name is Richard Koch or Koch, C-O-K-O-C-H. That the other thing you pointed out that was also so interesting is that if you take your eighty twenty and then you eighty twenty that again, mm-hmm. then you end up with four percent providing a sixty four percent of the oh, yeah. outcome impact, which which I which I also thought was was in some ways just as insightful, yeah, uh, or, or mind blowing as the original eighty uh, twenty that you could even you know kind of focus even further on even smaller piece. Okay. Indeed. So those are, so those are your three, your three groups there. We've got a couple great client success stories. So if somebody is interested in learning more about your service, it appears that your website kind of lays out some different services and mm-hmm. that's sterlingwoods.com, correct?
1: That's right. Yeah. And if you'd like to take a short three question quiz to figure out how much upside there is for your business, if you were to go apply this 80 20 rule to it, you can go to slash calculator.
0: Okay. And where do I find that? I like because I've got your website up right now. Is it under knowledge?
1: Yeah. And it just, just, yeah, the fastest way there is just to type in slash calculator. Okay. Be moving around the menu a little bit over time. So that'll okay. that get you directly there.
0: Yeah. We have a, an eight question scorecard on our website. So yeah, I see it right here. Yeah. It takes one minute. Ours takes, uh, we say it takes five minutes. So, okay. So they could go there. So sterlingwoods.com slash calculator. Do you accept LinkedIn
1: invitations? Yes. I, I welcome LinkedIn invitations.
0: Okay. And that's, and your name is spelled Rob Ristagno, R-I-S-T-A-G-N-O. Is that correct?
1: That's exactly right.
0: Okay. Any other way that you might want someone to reach out to you other than LinkedIn and going to your calculator?
1: Another thing is you could listen. Those are the main ways to get in touch with us. If, if you want to hear a little bit more about our philosophies, and I think we'll, we'll get into this in a second, but we have the CEO Campfire Chat podcast as well.
0: Great. Yes, your timing is is exquisite because that was what we were going to shift gears to next. So how long ago did you start the podcast? It, it, it looks like it was uh, about a year or two ago.
1: Exactly. I started it last year in the thick of COVID.
0: Okay. And what prompted you to start it?
1: What happened about the end of March last year, I decided to get my... Cl- no one had any idea what was going on with covid so should we shut our offices? Should we reduce salary? Should we furlough or lay off? Everyone, th- this was unprecedented times. Mm-hmm. Now, unfortunately, it feels so normal. The, the idea was every Thursday, I got my I invited my clients to a call, a Zoom call, which, which at the time was novel, but now we're all sick of Zoom. Sure. And we, we just went around the horn and talked about what we we're doing. That evolved into having one person being on the hot seat and talking a little bit more specifically about what they were doing as a case study. And then people were welcome to ask questions. When, when people missed those sessions, they asked me if I would be willing to record them and send them out afterwards. That, that gave us the idea, hey, why don't we turn this into a podcast? Because there seems to be some interest in people listening to what we have going on here.
0: Um, oh, okay. What, what a great idea. And so other than just you know, being able to share some of those, those insights, what else were you hoping to accomplish with the podcast
1: Mainly a sense of camaraderie and networking because all events were canceled. And I think a lot of people felt the pain of not being able to go to networking events, not being able to go to trade shows or conferences, and and really not being able to build relationships with people. And so the idea was to how can we help Sterling Woods build relationships with people, but even more broadly, the, the CEOs that are in the live studio audience, how can we help them network with each other, build relationships with the, within each other and also the guests and we've actually seen that people've gotten a jo- one person got a job <laughs> out of out of uh, being in the studio audience other people have done business with each other so it was just a way and continues to be a way when when it's a little tougher to get together in person for people to start building relationships with people that they may not have otherwise got to meet
0: and how many people do you typically have in the
1: audience any given week, it could range between 10 and 20, just depending on how, how busy people are and how relevant the, the speaker is to, to their, their own business. We probably have about 75 people in the live studio audience database, more people on, on the roster than will actually show up or able to show up any given week. So. Yeah, that's that's opinion. really
0: that's a really interesting format. I've never heard of that type of format and I and I apologize. I had it on my list to listen to a couple of the episodes, but it just it just didn't happen. So I, I apologize. But did so the audience like will actually ask questions of the person in the hot seat?
1: Yeah, yeah. So the format is we do some icebreaking activity. We try to make it feel like an actual campfire. So we do some icebreaking up front, then then the guests are and i some
0: marshmallows
1: exactly yeah you know the guests and i we kind of we go through a few questions on a, on a theme and then the audience is welcome to chime in with shared experiences or questions and then we end with some some kind of lighter i call them campfire games just kind of some 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 ways to end on a on a more fun note
0: you know that just sounds i'm a huge podcast listener and that just sounds fascinating and i'm actually hitting subscribe Right now, so I will start to uh, listen to those going forward. Thank so you. I'm just I'm I'm really curious the so the audience like when they chime in, do they do so anonymously? Do they sometime do they introduce themselves and like the company they're with? What's the typical format?
1: It's I don't want to. It's closer to anonymous. Uh, they usually okay. state their name and what company they're for from, but. It's that they don't. I guess you get to know the audience members over time. They don't. They Mm -hmm. don't. They don't really pitch or give the pitch of what they do. They just say, "Oh, hey, this is this is Dave from XYZ company." So, but it is kind of interesting. I think some of the the uh, audience members are are, have become fan favorites. (laughs) You kind of get to know some of the audience members as well.
0: Really, you kind of like the way you've got like fan favorites on Shark Tank, huh?
1: There you go. Exactly. Yeah.
0: Well, that is is really fascinating, and I mean, I cannot wait for my next bike ride, which is when I typically, I always listen to podcasts while I ride my bike, so I can't wait to uh, to listen to the next one, because I'd found the most recent one to be pretty interesting, The from just reading about it before our call, the one with Billy Libby of Upper 90, that just sounded really fascinating, so I was going to listen to that one anyway, but uh, now I'll be listening uh, to more. what how has having a podcast compared to your expectations? i
1: think it's just been a great way to build relationships it wasn't intentional but a couple of people involved in the podcast whether it's guests or audience members have become become clients so it started with just clients and then i guess a pleasant surprise is once you have a podcast up and running you get hit by all these publicists (laughs) and being like hey can so and so please be on your on your show so it's been a I was doing it mainly to add value to my, initially to add value to my clients as the way to stay in touch with them and uh, kind of just keep Sterlingwood's brand out there. But it's actually become more of a directly gen thing than I, than I ever expected.
0: That's awesome. And it looks like you're on an every other week release schedule. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, that's that's really great that you've had that uh, kind of unexpected uh, surprise of the non-clients participating. What so I've got a question that I've learned summarizes what used to be uh, five other questions. Okay. So the question is: Do you intend to continue to podcast?
1: Yes. Yes, I think it's become a key key piece of, of our of our marketing strategy.
0: Hmm. What do you What do you enjoy the most about having a podcast, or maybe what are several of the things that you you enjoy about having a podcast?
1: I just like, it's a good way to meet new people and build a relationship and in a casual way. Like sometimes if you meet someone at a conference, they might assume you're trying to sell them something. So it's it's organic. So I think this is just an organic way to, to meet new people and hear different stories and expand your network in a very organic, organic way.
0: Yeah, I, I, I can relate to that. How do you decide if continuing the podcast is worth the time and money? I mean, I know you, I should have asked that question first, I guess, but what's kind of the analysis you use? Is it purely financial? Are there kind of intangibles in the equation?
1: Yeah, I think the the first one I'd say is you have to gut check. Are you still passionate about it? Because if you're not excited about it, I I think you can tell sometimes I've been Invited to be a guest on podcasts. And I can tell this is not, not true for you, Dave, but I can tell the guest is just doing it because they hope that I eventually become a client or the host is doing it because they hope I become a client. And I can tell their mm. heart kind of the question. They're kind of phoning it in and raising right. questions over and over, which actually has a, a reverse effect, I think, that the host wants. So first sure. Thing, make sure your passion is in it and that you, you're excited about helping your guests out because your guests are, you know, are in it i guess because they want some publicity too (laughs) so so just kind of be be a a, what would you say a servant leader mindset and Mm -hmm. and make sure that you're excited about it and excited about helping people out then i guess you know you have at the end of the day it is it's not as if we hire people to to edit and and post and promote our our podcast so it's Mm -hmm. not a lot of my time you have to spend some time on prep and some time on the actual recording but then i'm I'm, talent- I'm, I'm blessed that I have a talented person named Amanda is really the producer and takes care of all the editing and, and distribution and promotion of the episodes. Um, okay. That costs money, of course. It doesn't cost time, but it costs money. So, yeah, it has to it has to make sense. And how you measure it is, is probably dependent on your own objectives. If, if you're trying to use it as more of a direct lead gen thing, then uh, don't, I wouldn't expect sales overnight. But can you track your numbers and say, hey, out of all the, C- the guests that I have on... X percent of them will take a call with me afterwards to, to at least hear me out and even if they don't become clients they're giving me referrals and suggestions or at least feedback on 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 your pitch so to speak if you're more going for a establishing authority standpoint that's not bad if that's a little harder to measure and then i guess the third thing would be are you going to build an audience that you can monetize more directly with or more traditionally with ads and and things mm-hmm. like that i think that's that's Tough. I think what's, I I can't remember what it is, but there's not, not a lot of companies can be, uh, not a lot of podcasts can be standalone supported by advertising revenue. I mean, it's very tough to be the next Joe Rogan. Sure,
0: sure. yeah, I would agree, and that's always something we tell our clients that you know your goal is not to be a you know commercially viable podcast. your The goal is to you know use it as a credibility building relationship building yeah. client, a uh, spotlighting yeah, at the end of the day. Oh, go ahead. you have to
1: be having fun with it. If you're not having fun with it, don't do it because it's gonna, it's gonna show. and then there's other, there's lots of other ways to develop your business.
0: Sure. I'd say you you have been really good at at anticipating my question. So you (laughs) anticipated my next one. What advice would you give to someone who's considering starting a podcast? So I've got your first answer already and that's, you know, know, make sure that you're, you're, you're passionate and and excited about it.
1: Yeah. I think the other thing is the cost of entry is very little. Right. And don't worry so much about super high end production value at first. You mm-hmm. probably should just get a nice microphone, which can be one or two hundred dollars. I think that's the main main requirement. Make sure you're in a room that doesn't have a lot of echo. Whether you can put blankets and pillows and stuff down, so there's really like it's not a lot. Of, it's, it's not very expensive. I use what is it, Libsyn to distribute it. Yep. I think it's five dollars yep. a month, maybe or fifteen dollars. It's not a lot of money. Sure. So, so so it's it's not expensive to get started. So just try it and see see if you like it or not. I'm sure you can find someone to be a guest. you got an existing client, a prior client, a friend, a colleague, just jump in. And it it doesn't cost that much except for a little bit of time and see if you like it. And if you start doing it and you feel like, oh, this is, I don't like it. It's too hard. Or uh, I'm not a good interviewer. (laughs) I have no interest in developing my skills or no big deal. It was, it was, you tried and and see how it Mm -hmm. goes.
0: Yeah, and if you do stay with it, I, I heard this quote that's I think no, well known in the software space. And the saying is, "If you look back on your version 1.0 and you're not embarrassed by it, you waited too long. <laughs> you waited too long to launch." I love that.
1: That's awesome. I'm going to start using and I, that. And
0: that's what we tell our podcast clients too. That. If you, you know, if you look back after 10 episodes and you're not a little embarrassed by your first couple, then like, yeah, you waited too long. You overthought it (laughs) because the way you keep from being embarrassed after you, the way you keep from having 10 episodes and then being embarrassed by your first two is you don't do any. That's how you prevent being embarrassed. So we tell them to, uh, to embrace that. What do you wish you knew when you started the podcast?
1: Hmm. Good question. Let's see. How about, I guess one thing I would say is be more intentional with who your guests are. When okay. I started, I think I was afraid that I wasn't going to be able to get enough guests. You can fuel the guest list by relying on friends and clients at first. Sure. Then I had, I alluded to it earlier. I got lucky in that somehow it got on radar screens of various publicists. So every, I have right now my inbox I'm just looking at my inbox. I think I have three or four, publicist asking me if so-and-so can be a guest when i first started getting this request i was just so excited that yes someone wants to be on my show i said yes to everyone and Uh. then i realized that probably wasn't the right thing so i you should have the same screening criteria for the easy free inbound (laughs) request to be guests on your list but what we started doing is saying hey here's our 100 dream interviews and being more purposeful about reaching out to people that make sense for of course, our community, people that are listening would enjoy what they have to say. And also practically and realistically that they might make for good centers of influence or clients or that they would be good for for our business and our audiences' businesses as well.
0: That is great advice. So in summary, uh, that uh, what you wish you knew is to be more intentional with your guests mm-hmm. and to be perhaps more strategic with it. That's a great, perhaps- great idea rely more on your own outbound efforts rather than just kind of passively seeing uh, who wants to be on your podcast. Does that sound?
1: Yeah, that sounds right? right. Yeah.
0: Yeah. In some ways that's, that seems like the even better advice than than some of the advice you gave. So I'm glad that I asked, uh, the question that way, because sometimes it feels kind of redundant, you know, that, you know, it, it, what advice would you give someone is kind of, Seems like just another way of asking, what do you wish you knew when you started it? Ah, I see. But but I'm glad I asked it both ways. So I've got one final question that's a curveball question. And this is a question that I've borrowed from Tim Ferriss. Okay. Okay. So if you could go back in time and give advice to your 25-year-old self, Mm -hmm. what advice might you give?
1: I would say enjoy the process as much as the results. Okay. So you have to, it's great when you have a great year financially or get a promotion or get a title or you know get great results. But I think you, ultimately you won't be fulfilled if you don't enjoy the process as well. So sometimes it's better to delay the rewards if, and enjoy the process more.
0: Mm. Yeah, that is, that is great advice. Is there
1: anything that
0: you wish we had talked about that we didn't?
1: No, I think I, I've, I've really enjoyed these interviews. You got me thinking about ways to improve... Our, our our podcast and our business. Um so thank yeah I really enjoyed enjoyed the time with you here Dave.
0: Well it's uh it's my pleasure. I I enjoy having interesting guests and yeah you know, I'm a CPA by training and so I'm a numbers guy, I'm pretty analytical. So on your website when I saw 8020 on there I'm like ching ching Pareto's principle <laughs> like I this is uh, I'm going to be able to relate to this guy. Well, so you've given your contact info already uh, that sterlingwoods.com slash calculator is kind of a good starting point or they can I reach like out to start. you. Yeah. Or they can reach out to you on LinkedIn. Anything else you want to discuss?
1: No, just, you know, I really, I really encourage people to take the, that, that three question assessment because uh, the impact of segmenting your audience is, is really huge and it's not hard. I think that's the big thing is that it's one of these, what, there's some quote I like, people don't need to be. Taught, they need to be reminded. So I don't think anyone uh, is going to say, you know, hey, uh, segmentation's a bad idea. But also, no one's going to say segmentation is keeping me up at night. <laughs> so I think right. it's just a matter of uh, kind of reminding people of the power of this, and it's not hard. And it's kind of, I'll say, a back to basics thing that companies should get in the habit of doing more often than than they they think to do, consciously think to do these days.
0: That's awesome. In fact, as soon as we conclude the interview, I'm going to I'm going to take the uh, the little assessment myself. All right. Well, go ahead. Oh, that's all I have. <laughs> okay. Well, Rob, I really appreciate you taking time to uh, to talk to me, and I really love the story. Love how you uh, ended up in the business, and I really love the podcast format. I mean, i've I, I've thought I've listened to. I thought there were really only two types of well, three types of podcast formats: soliloquies. Uh, a partner that you do the same partner every time just you know talking about stuff or interviewing a guest but you've made me realize there's a fourth uh, option which is interviewing a, a guest with a audience and uh, I, we've been thinking about our business trying to in- Increase the community aspect of it, and th- that's a really intriguing approach. I may, if it wouldn't bother you, I may just uh, try that on some episode. Go
1: for it! Yeah, it's, it's a great. It's uh, I highly recommend it. Well, that's great. Well, hey, thanks again for
0: your time. It's uh, it was really nice uh, nice talking to you.
1: Likewise, Dave. Thanks a lot.
0: And there we have it. Another great episode. Don't forget to check out the show notes at www com. This podcast is brought to you by your podcast team. If you have ever considered having your own podcast, head over to www.yourpodcast.team to learn more about how they can help you. That's it for this episode. Have a great week and we'll talk to you next time.